Today's guest is Kartikeya Date of the blog A Cricketing View. Kartikeya, through his relentless and diligent work, has uh, written a vast number of insightful posts on the decision review system, DRS, and uh, he believes that DRS is fundamentally changing how cricket is played. Welcome to the show, Kartikeya. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me again. Pleasure. You were uh, one of the... Uh, early guests on uh, this podcast show and uh, that was in the july of last year and uh, we discussed the uh, drs back then too how do you think the drs system the arguments and the uh, discussions around it has changed in the last 9 months the quality of discussions uh, about drs has substantially improved in the last 12 months cricket for has this in focus series called technology in cricket uh, in which they they they've been writing sort of carefully reported articles quite more much more frequently in the last 9 months than they did before that i think uh, they sort of be, you've begun to see sort of reasonably skeptical articles like for example greg palm had a had a article about trs uh, at the end of december some players have come out and sort of we've heard much more uh, you know diverse opinion about trs and ball tracking particularly uh and i think so i think the debate has progressed substantially in the last 9 uh, months when india were in england the there was sort of the debate was basically there was two debates going on one was the institutional debate about well uh, bcci versus the universe uh and the other was uh, the far more substantially interesting debate about uh, which i will call the debate between the technophiles and the 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 people who are more skeptical of of technology so the technophile position and i think more than one person actually said this is that uh flawed technology is better than a unreliable human human being uh which is to say that umpires make mistakes and so technology is better than umpires uh the skeptical position uh which i am more sympathetic to uh would say that well what are we measuring and what is actually being measured uh and given the difference between these two what are the unintended consequences so from there on i think uh then sort of several conceptual issues arise how do you determine whether technology is reliable how do you determine whether it is accurate uh what is the difference between something being reliable and something being accurate and what is what is the umpire's call uh, exactly you know uh So there are all these sort of interesting conceptual issues that come up. Uh when you say reliable and reliability and uh, accuracy. Yeah. You mean to say technology is reliable but we don't know whether it's accurate. If you ask a computer to say well what is 47 times 3 then it's going to give you the exact same answer every time, right? But a human being well you don't know. I mean if you ask them to multiply two numbers first even a person who knows multiplication will make a mistake. so there's a basic difference between errors and mistakes that needs to be understood when you talk about accuracy and reliability 
uh, a disembodied technical system can be reliably inaccurate and very consistently inaccurate. Whereas a human being can be both inaccurate and also uh, can make a mistake. If, if an umpire sees a LBW decision in real time and makes one decision, okay, then there's a very good chance that if he sees it again on a replay, he might change his mind about it. Okay. Now, if, he, if that's the case, then his original decision is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, whereas if the umpire looks at a decision on review, uh, in a, on a replay, and agrees with the original decision that he made on the field, then that, I think, uh, you know, is not a mistake. The umpire, despite having many looks, has come to one conclusion about it. Now, if you take that same ball and put it through a ball tracking, and if ball tracking says, oh, it's missing by a whisker, it's missing leg stump by a whisker, the, the umpire is absolutely sure that in his, whatever mode of judgment he uses, he's right uh, in the decision that he made. Mm-hmm. And, and ball tracking is equally sure that, you know, no matter how many times you, you process the video image, it's going to give you the same result. Missing by a whisker. Missing by a whisker. So they're going to disagree and they're going to disagree. Now, this, to anybody who sort of understands marginality, is not too surprising. There's always going to be cases. Whenever you make a rule, by definition, rules are restrictive. And so there are always margins. What's happening is that right now, errors and mistakes, in my opinion, are not sort of being distinguished well enough in the DRS. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the this is my conceptual diagnosis of what's happening, uh, and I think I think the what we've seen in the last nine months and what we've seen in actually the last nine months, which have also added substantially to our corpus of empirical evidence about DRS. This seems to be dis, the matter of dispute. I mean, if you see Jacques Callis's recent comment, he says you look at something and it looks close, you know, and then DRS says that it's not or the ball tracking says that it's not. You know, that's like a classic statement of this difference between an, uh, between like two different modes of judgment and them reaching two different conclusions. So to say that we are going to judge whether one is more accurate than the other, is a, a, it's hard to do that. And, and in order to accept that it's hard to do that, I think it's necessary to accept the conceptual difference between two modes of judgment. There's no reason to think that human umpires process reality in the same way that the disembodied video camera apparatus does. Mm-hmm. So, Dave Richardson, the man in the middle of everything, you know, he's the ICC's general manager of uh, cricket. And yeah. uh, he had said in an interview with uh, Cricket Info's George Dobell, and I quote, DRS has affected the game slightly more than we thought it would. It was in the wake of the uh, England-Pakistan test series. What's your take on that statement by Dave Richardson? And two, I came to, it came to my knowledge that you had tried to contact Dave Richardson and get some answers as a follow-up to this interview that he did with Crickinfo. What have you learned from uh, Richardson? The impression I got from Dave Richardson's interview was that they had shifted the the purpose, they they shifted their narrative about what the purpose of the DRS is. The sort of the traditional understanding has been that, well, DRS is used to fix howlers, like obvious umpiring errors. Mm-hmm. Umpiring, not errors, mistakes. Correct. Uh, I should be precise in the language. Now, what they're saying, it, it came across in the interview that they're saying that, well, 
one of the ambitions they had was to question the whole notion of benefit of doubt and to see whether that could to help redress the balance between bat and ball and and i felt at the time that this this way of reading the interview was a little bit harsh on david richardson so i tried to ask him now what he says is that drs has basically changed has had impacts at multiple levels you know so he says for example in one one instance uh, what happened is that uh, umpire before drs was used ball tracking was still available right so umpires would they were umpires were being assessed by ball tracking uh, even before drs was being used so if an umpire gave something not out then and and drs showed it to be hitting then umpire sort of would look at that and say well you know maybe i should give that out next time you know so uh, a similar lbw appeal out uh now but he also says that the trend started before drs for this reason that you know umpires were looking at ball tracking results and rectifying their conventional judgment uh, of what they would conventionally consider to be a safe decision there are problems with this but we'll come to those in a minute the second thing that happened is that once drs came in umpires started to feel that well i if i give this out and if it's not it can easily be rectified so why don't uh, on balance i don't have to be as cautious as i used to be mm-hmm. that was another mode after drs came in in the thinking the third thing and i think this was the most interesting thing that he told me was what you might call the globalization of umpiring with the elite panel coming in and it took i think it takes a little while to understand this because you have to be used to elite umpires umpiring all over the world what happens is that umpiring conventions get developed in different countries right so a long time now a long time ago it used to be that umpires in england used to be judge front foot lbws differently from umpires in australia and this was sort of the conventional view was that this was because wickets in australia are bouncier now when an umpire uh, you mean to say umpires from say subcontinent would judge a judge lbws differently from umpires from outside the subcontinent yes okay but but then when a, when a english umpire came to india to umpire as a elite umpire he would maybe apply the same standards to india so maybe some front foot lbws which an indian umpire might have given foreign umpire may not give and vice versa right i mean so there are sort of you carry your conventions with you mm-hmm. and conventions are dependent on pitches and sort of the general trend of pitches this was it seems especially apparent in in the england pakistan series where he said the well, the bounce is relatively low that's why there's an increase in lbws which which drs is bringing because of the because of the way the review is designed mm-hmm. from what he said it seems to me that it's not simply a question of uh, i think it's true to say that the the point about uh, lbw uh, bringing in drs was to eliminate howlers but clear as i mean as any technology skeptic will tell you there are unintended consequences and these are the the unintended consequences and in this sense i think he's right he told me i think if we are totally honest drs has affected the game slightly more than we thought it would and this is more or less what he said george told george tobel as well going back to that uh, england pakistan series that yeah. uh, richardson was referring to um yeah. that series saw about 45 not about exactly 45 review slash challenges of the uh, umpiring decisions and out of which 43 were lbw uh, appeals 
And of that 45, only eight of the on-field calls were overturned. And yes. none of those would be uh, what uh, people would have termed as howlers. And Kevin Peterson mentioned uh, during that series that, you know, batters are not getting the benefit of the doubt anymore, the, especially the front foot LBW. Three or yeah. four years ago, they would have never been given out, but now they are being given out. And hence, the way they approach spin bowling and different conditions had to change, meaning essentially batting technique had to change uh, of batsmen that have been batting for you know, 10, 15 years that are born with this technique now suddenly have to adapt to something yeah. completely new. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts on the change in batting techniques? If you're given a thought experiment, saying, what if you introduce something like DRS to cricket? What will be the consequences? Then this is one of the things that you will think about. And I did, I, I, I thought this would happen like way back when in 2009. And I actually have a post on it on my blog way back when. That is an avoidable problem, what Richard, what, what Kevin Peterson is saying. And I think that my, in my view, that problem is a function of the fact that even though, and I can say this categorically because I asked David Richardson about the whole error versus mistake problem. I defined what I meant by a mistake to him and asked him, what do you, what do you, what is the ICC trying to do? Is it trying to fix errors or is it trying to fix mistakes? And he told me, well, by your definition, we are trying to fix mistakes. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I think the way the protocol is designed, it does not do this very well. Uh, and that is because it basically pits the umpire's mode of judgment, not the umpire's actual judgment, but the umpire's method of judgment or mode of judgment with ball tracking system's method of judgment. And it uses the ball tracking system to verify the umpire's mode of judgment. Mm -hmm. It does not similarly allow the umpire to verify the ball tracking mode of judgment. Ironically, what happened recently, uh, did you see the interview that Ian Taylor gave after the South Africa, uh, Jacques Callis' comments, in which he said, well, umpires should be allowed to overrule the ball tracking. (laughs) Basically, what he's saying is, yeah, you know, uh, in some cases, uh, he was limiting his comments to when ball tracking system clearly has insufficient information. I think the, the argument can be extended conceptually without stretching logic, which is to say that umpires use a different mode of judgment than the ball tracking system. And so if an umpire thinks a decision is closed, then even if the ball tracking system, the, the sort of the quote-unquote umpire's call zone in the ball tracking system, disagrees with the umpire's judgment, the umpire should have the right to uphold the on-field umpire's decision. So there needs to be an intermediate step where uh, a human umpire, after looking at the replay, looks at and, and determines whether an error has been made or... or whether a possible error has been made or whether a mistake has been made. This is hard to do. So the way I would do it is, suppose there's a decision on the field. Okay. okay. It's a marginal FPW decision. The ball, it's an off break that pitches on off stump, is turns a little bit. The batsman is caught slightly on the crease. Uh, when the batsman is hit, uh, you can sort of see part of middle stump you can see part of, of the whole of off stump, obviously. But the ball hit the pad and, and rolled off to the offside. So there's some doubt about where, whether it would hit leg stump or whether it would turn past leg stump. Mm-hmm. Now, suppose the umpire on the field gives this out. Okay. And, and you know what example I'm referring to here. Yes, the World Cup uh, semi-final. 
वर्ल्ड कप सेमीफाइनल सचिन तेंदुलकर एलबीडब्ल्यू डिसीजन सो सपोज दैट दैट्स द केस द अंपायर ऑन द फील्ड गिव्स इट आउट नाउ what would a tv umpire look at on the replay i think the tv umpire should look at that and first determine is this a mistake okay mm-hmm. the tv umpire makes the judgment that well if an umpire saw this this ball is it reasonable that he would rule the way the on field umpire did mm-hmm. now if you ask this question and if you say no it's not reasonable in that if it if you say that well no the the decision is obviously wrong okay and mm-hmm. there are reasons right i mean you can see the replay and say well you know actually this looks very marginal on as to whether it pitched on leg stump or not or outside leg stump you mm-hmm. know in that case you go to the you go to the technology and verify that because you can actually verify that mm-hmm. right uh, but the first judgment about the predictive path i think should be made by an umpire as to whether it is obviously wrong or not obviously wrong mm-hmm. if it is if if it is determined that a mistake has not been made then the decision on the field should stand as the correct decision so that means you're saying the uh, predictive path from the point of impact to the stumps should not yeah. even be should not even enter the equation it should it shouldn't enter the equation if the umpire determines that yeah. it is that's, no no that's what i mean that's what i mean uh, uh, when when the second the umpire that is taking a second look at this and says a reasonable decision has been made yeah. then the uh, predictive path of whether the ball would have gone on to hit the stumps uh, the uh, graphical uh, recreation of it doesn't yeah. even enter the equation no now how how would this still be an error now if the umpire determines that the mistake has not been made and lets the decision stand mm-hmm. but you know because the broadcaster has owns the uh, owns hawkeye and owns the contract for hawkeye and they show hawkeye for every delivery and later on they show hawkeye for that ball and they determine well it was missing leg stump by a whisker mm-hmm. then technically say that the umpire made an error you know or you could also say you know symmetrically that the ball tracking made an error correct so but then there is a symmetry of error there because there are different modes of judgment at play now there's no there's no scientific or philosophical reason to believe that one is superior to the other because both are making predictions and and an umpire will make a, a an informed prediction based on his expertise and experience and based on sort of the institutional standard of correctness that emerges in sort of the umpiring community you know true so here is my question there is no way to test the effectiveness of the ball track technology whether the ball would go on to hit because you're actually only judging the umpire based on assume i mean based on the assumption that ball track is perfect rather in that interview that we talked about earlier richardson mentioned uh, that uh, there is a company called computer vision consulting limited uh, which is staffed by uh, post graduates from cambridge university that's carrying some sort of tests and yeah. so, some of the aspects of the drs system and if my uh, understanding of that article was correct then it was the ball tracking so what do you think is being done it still doesn't make sense you know what are they testing ball tracking against that's not yet clear to me and i i asked them that you know and it would seem to be and and when i interviewed uh, paul hawkins of he's the founder of hawker and i and i interviewed him and he told me that well you could actually design an interesting field test which would maybe look at uh, how how ball tracking performs in like 
field conditions in like something simulating match conditions he seems to have gone in the direction of you know testing uh, how well the the prediction uh, is made by the ball tracking system using sort of some sort of computer vision related technology now what he i asked him about this i asked Paul david richardson about this and what he told me is that uh, basically they're asking them to look at the accuracy and the reliability of hawker and the way they do this is by using intensive computation to reproduce and reproduce a very finely calibrated model of the pitch and the path of the ball using all the available hd video the reason why this is not used in hawker itself is that use whatever they do it's going to take them 45 minutes to an hour of processing time to actually compute or the path of one ball mm-hmm. what they well, my best guess right now is that they're going to use a, a a much more accurate but much less efficient algorithm to judge how good the hawker algorithm works this is fine but it's still this is not a problem i think the problem is not that hawker is not accurate the problem is that it does things a different way and it's not surprising that batting techniques are changing because of it now whether you want batting techniques to change that's a choice that's a normative choice for the for the icc you know do they want cricket to change in this way if they do then it, then that's fine if they could just use hawkeye as it is because if you think about it when ian taylor says sometimes umpires should be able to overrule ball tracking conclusions what he's really saying is that if ball tracking makes a mistake not an error but a mistake then umpire should have the power to overrule mm-hmm. you know another option is that if ball tracking has insufficient data it should be able to return that as a plausible result it should be able to say well in this particular instance you're on your own we don't have enough there's not enough data to compute okay you can you can imagine the problems that would create suppose at a crucial moment <laughs> conveniently ball tracking goes off you know and the batsman in question goes on to make a century or gets yeah. out as the batting collapse when these things go into the world the choices have different valencies so you have to be increasingly i don't particularly care whether they use drs or not what i care about is whether they understand what they are doing when they use drs what yeah. choices they are actually making and uh, from the evidence that we have had so far of in the last 3 uh, to 4 years i'm not really sure they understand it completely to Because they're still chasing the more accurate decision and that's not the right thing to be chasing i mm-hmm. think see uh, recently in the uh, south africa new zealand series yeah uh, damning of drs pretty much happened and uh, didn't catch um, most of the cricket enthusiasts view because there was something else happening on the other side of the world that was far too big um jacques said that he is not convinced by the predictive path of the delivery shown by the ball tracking technology and braceville duck braceville said members of the new zealand squad are also a bit iffy about the accuracy of the drs Yeah. you know what does this do to the drs argument now we have had indian players from back in 2008 not being sold on the efficiency of the system england players have raised some questions andy flower has raised some questions now you have jacques is one of the preeminent cricketers of the generation questioning it and you have another team new zealand also not being sold on it completely yeah. what does this well, do to the drs argument 
Well, Jacques Callis actually went even further. Jacques Callis said he did think 99% of cricketers believe the DRS. Well, I, I, want, I would like to know whether Jacques Callis did a poll of the 100% of the players to f come up to that conclusion, but... Well, I, 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 think, I think you're right. I, mean, I think, but, but I think it's interesting that he, he said that because I think it's, if, you, if you believe that these players have played with each other for years and know each other and that they are having conversations about DRS, presumably, I'm sure they are. I mean, it's, it's, it would be incredible if uh, players don't talk about DRS amongst themselves. Okay. If, if, if Jacques Callis is, is sort of in somewhat, some poetic sense, in the same sense that you have the 1% and the 99%, <laughs> his perception that the majority of cricketers don't like the, the ball tracking prediction, then I think it's significant. But I think it goes back to this issue that, you know, of accuracy. It goes back to the issue that the ICC is still chasing the most accurate solution, you know, and it's not clear as to what the consequences of this ac this so-called accuracy are going to be. At the beginning, we talked about how Dave Richardson thought DRS was affecting, uh, or ball tracking was affecting umpiring, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the umpires were going back to look at, even before DRS was implemented, before 2008, mm -hmm. the umpires were going and looking at ball tracking predictions of decisions they made mm -hmm. and finding that they needed to be corrected. Now, it we know for a fact that ball tracking predictions were very, very poor in the mid 2000s. Mm -hmm. You know, we know for a fact that for a long time, ball tracking predictions, you know, used a generic uh, point of release for every delivery. They did not actually track if a bowler was bowling from wide at the crease or not from bowling from wide at the crease. You know, and stuff like that in the early DRS. So, the fact that you had that animation. You know, and the fact that it looked so convincing, it has now. Who knows whether the umpires were actually wrong, and whether that bad quality ball tracking was actually merited the attention that it got from them. Umpiring conventions change, and they change irrespective of DRS. The revival of significant spin bowling all over the world, I think that has an effect on the number of front foot LBWs that umpires have been giving. You know, you you very rarely have a problem where so one umpire's decisions are totally at odds with every other umpire's decisions. Mm -hmm. They generally follow the same sort of convention. Where do you think, in your opinion, as someone that has spent inordinate amount of time understanding the various sides of the DRS equation, yeah. both technically and philosophically, you know, where we are as a sport headed towards and where is this DRS thing headed towards? And more importantly, where does this leave the umpires? If, if it goes in the direction that it is going right now, I think the umpire is already obsolete, you know, because if the umpire's judgment is being verified by the DRS or by the ball tracking, then, uh, you know, the umpire might as well not make the decision in the first place. Why not just an LPW appeal is made? Why not just look it up on the DRS and determine? Why have the umpire make a decision on the field in the first place? Mm -hmm. uh, right now, um, the what is called umpire's call in in, in DRS. What is the umpire's call right now? Umpire's call is basically the umpire makes a decision, uh, the DRS looks at it, and the DRS basically says, well, I cannot decide because too many things are on the margin uh, whether this is out or not. So let's go with what the umpire said. You know, that's basically, but that's not umpire's call. You know, um, the, the umpire's call is determined in terms of the ball tracking system. Mm -hmm. okay. Uh, now, there's no reason why this should not be reversed. 
why is why is umpire's call not determined by an umpire and right now it's not so right now effectively the umpire is obsolete in the in in lbw decisions you know so whether an umpire's decision is right or not depends on whether a player questions it and second what trs says there is no umpire's call anymore so i think the umpire is already obsolete as lbw wise and it is not a surprise i mean i think you you cited the statistic of the pakistan england series where 43 out of 45 decisions were lbws uh, there was a stat posted by s rajesh on cricket for about the world cup in which he has a similar statistic and that was one day cricket mm-hmm. you know i think it is not a surprise that the most disputed decisions are lbws it is not a good sign for the umpire that the vast majority of drs requests relate to an umpire judgment about lbws which is then verified by the technology mm-hmm. this is the key point why should the technology verify an umpire's decision why should an umpire not verify an umpire's decision this this has always bothered me about the drs because if you if you really think that umpires can make mistakes then obviously the solution should be to let another umpire have as many looks as the decision as he wants you know and i don't believe i don't buy the argument about time because drs takes time as well you know so but they've not chosen to do that they've chosen to directly have the umpire's decision reviewed in terms of the ball tracking mm-hmm. and i think that's basically the end of the umpire right there you know so uh, where are we headed in terms of cricket and it and the effective drs on cricket itself but i don't know i don't i don't it's hard to say but i think we are headed towards a situation where you know the umpire is basically just counting balls and, <laughs> and but the basic philosophical uh, point that they've made is to say well we are going to use this uh, video technology to verify whether the umpire is right or not if that's the way they want to go then you know if i was an umpire i would be very upset well on that bright note thank you kartikeya thanks for coming on the show and it's always a pleasure talking to you thank you my pleasure thank you all for listening oh just they went down the ground this could be six as well it's a big it's a goal straight down the ground almost into the dressing room and that tells the story what an innings this is what are you this is big slaughter couch talk 